The Ringer Gambling Feed is your one-stop shop for all things betting throughout the NFL season from week one all the way through Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We have you covered every which way. We got our favorite futures. We got props. We'll discuss the lines. And of course, we'll throw in a few parlays. That's a given. So whether you're a sharp or a square better, we'll be breaking it down in terms hopefully everybody can understand and we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling Feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly. And that's it. Craig is out today. I think that he might, I don't know, he might just been um, struck, stricken by the football today. The... <laughs> So the AFC Championship, NFC Championship games are set. We will yeah. be having the Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens, where I will be at that game next week. Ooh, nice. Uh, Detroit Lions are at the San Francisco 49ers. Bills Chiefs just ended like moments ago. I feel electric. DK, I what an incredible sport. That that is that stuff hits every time. <laughs> Bills Chiefs is exactly as good as we were promised. Uh, I feel like I'm gonna midway through this episode, I'm gonna get like an adrenaline headache because that the end of that episode or the end of that game just had me on the edge of my seat. Like obviously some huge plays, some huge missed opportunities by the Bills. Um, but yeah, it's like at the end of the day, the the worst Chiefs team we've seen in the Mahomes era is in the AFC Championship game. So still good, apparently. As a neutral fan, that was an amazing game. As a Bills fan, that was a catastrophe. Because without, you know, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I, I think this is true. That was the biggest game of Josh Allen's career. And quite frankly, like the entire era of Bills football with Josh Allen for I mean, five years has been built into that game. And they lost. And Andrew Grudadaro, uh, ringer editor here, summed it up really well, which was, I cannot believe we are getting this game from Josh Allen in the offense. And we are depending on AJ Klein to stop Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> like, but right. that's true. That's kind of what happened. Like the, the Bills defense in a way, like reinvigorated the Chiefs offense. Like it was unreal. But the the end, the kick at the end, I said to Jackie, I was like, this is a death knell to kick this. And I'm not saying this is some crazy prediction, but like they, they couldn't go for it on fourth there. But that was like the worst distance. There's no way you couldn't kick that. But that's with the wit. Oh, my God. I, I, heartbroken. Wide right. I, I went back in and looked up like the details of the original wide right, the Bills wide right, the the first Super Bowl. They lost to your Giants. Yes, that's how the Were Giants were. Were you alive won the Super at that Bowl. point? 
Let's see here. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> like early the fact 90s. That you even had to think about that. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot how early it was. I think my brother was alive and my mom, not kidding. I think my mom uh, almost dropped my brother when he was like an infant because oh, of the, no. the kick. I think my, Scott Norwood almost murdered my brother. <laughs> Uh, which, uh, you know, what I was looking. I was looking at. I was just rereading to like put myself back there. Frank Reich was the holder. I'd forgotten oh about God. that little Dude, detail. I'm sorry, the Bills fans listening to this have probably turned this off. I, I I genuinely feel bad for them because they came in with like the Manning Brady stuff with Mahomes and um, Josh Allen, and it is that on the the battle level. But at some point, unfortunately, like this is just we were talking about this on Friday. Like the Bills are just now the team that are kind of going to get squished under like the thumb of Mahomes. Like Mahomes is this inevitable, like LeBron esque dominance of the AFC that he's inherited from Brady. And like the Bills inevitable kinda- is the perfect word to use for it. It just feels like Mahomes is inevitable. Um, I mean, he didn't even have like a, a outs. I, I, he was definitely very good, but like numbers wise, 215 passing yards. It wasn't like he went completely off, you know um, he was, he was dialed in for sure, but I don't know, man. There's just some something going on with like this Bills offense where Josh Allen has to do it all himself. Obviously, Khalil Shakur has come on and been really good for them lately. But Stefan Diggs missing that like 65-yard bomb. In his hands. Uh, dude, if, uh, if poor went out for Craig, if Craig were here, he'd be like, when Stefan Diggs inevitably tweets something passive-aggressive this offseason, like he's just going <laughs> to get a thousand replies of like that catch in his hands. Dude, he had it. It was like, it wasn't even like, that contest of a pass, he should have caught it for sure. I mean, I think this is one of the best games Josh Allen has ever played. I think that's kind of what makes it worse. It's like he was putting balls in everyone's hands. Like, like Sherfield, even when like Gabe Davis wasn't playing, Khalil Shakir had that like scary hit. Like there were a bunch of guys that came in and out and Josh Allen was dealing. And I think what's nuts is the Bills were clinical. Like if you look, I mean, just these touchdown drives, the Bills touchdown drives were 11 plays 12 plays, 15 plays. That field goal drive at the end was a 16-play drive. The Chiefs had a six-play touchdown drive, a what, an eight-play touchdown drive, a five-play touchdown drive. Like, the Chiefs, honestly, like, did, like, they had a couple, like, the Chiefs rediscovered their explosiveness in this game. The Bills were just like, well, you're going to take seven yards 10 times in a row. Honestly, almost like if Tom Brady were Josh Allen in a way. Time of possession, 37 to 22 Bills in the Bills' favor. That's an old school Chiefs thing. The Chiefs never used to win the time of possession. It was weird. Here's the thing, though, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong. Fix my memory. We're doing this just after this game ended. I think the part that's super cutting for Bills fans, like that, that cuts to the core, is that all the ways they got screwed over in this game are not the reason they lost. Like there was that, uh, sorry, my memory's getting all jumbled, but there was uh, the DeMar Hamlin fake punt, fake punt that went right. That was a mistake. But then Miko Hardman gives the ball back. Right. It's like there was a bad ref. There was there were a few questionable uh, ref recalls in this one. I forget which one. One of them went against the Bills. Right. And it there was, was like, a oh. pass interference play that gave the, the Chiefs a new set of downs that probably shouldn't have been a pass interference. I think I believe on that drive. Correct me if I'm wrong. Again, we're doing this like like right after the show or the game is over. I want to say but the it ball didn't lead didn't, to anything. Right. It was like a ball didn't lie situation where they didn't. Yes. Score. And so that's what's unfortunate is the moments that kind of screwed over the Bills fans. It just leaves you with Stephon Diggs dropping a ball that landed 65 yards in his hands and then a missed and kick then a missed from field 40 goal. yards out. Yeah. Oh, my God. The Yeah, Josh was in his bag today, man. He looked incredible. Um, his his touchdown pass to Khalil Shakur uh, in the fourth quarter where he basically like it was a third and 13. They, they made, made some really dumb 
uh, plays to like get themselves into that position. They, they came out of a timeout and got a delay a game to get into third and 13, which I, is just like, home. come on, dude. Um, but Josh like made up for it by, he like rolled out to his left and it, he like almost like faked like he was going to start running it. And then he did like a fade away and somehow turned his body and like, it was an incredible throw across his body, right to Khalil Shakur in the end zone. I think um, that's one of the best throws of his play. entire career. That totally. was actually nuts. The the other the other I mean honestly the MVP of this game though was Jason Kelsey just sitting there in the box <laughs> just like coming down shirtless like a ogre being like just chugging <laughs> like fresh off retirement just like chugging beers next to Taylor Swift. Dude, he's been like how long did he play in the NFL? He's been saving up for this moment for so years. long. Like this is my retirement party. He was he was pre uh, funking at the you know the Bills like Did you say pre funking? Pre-funking. Maybe that's so like you call a pre-gaming? elder millennial term. Uh, yeah, like uh, pre-game, pre-funk. Email us at ringerfantasyfootball.gmail to tell me if that's regional or an age thing. Pre-funk? Never you've, never heard, you've never heard the term pre-funk? I've heard pre-gaming is like, I well, think universal deal. in my generation. No, I know. I'm just curious if that's a regional or age thing. Whatever. Anyway, Kelsey was out there like hours before the game, like mingling with all the Bills fans, like having a great time. You see him in the... Um, the luxury box with Taylor Swift and all of her entourage, like no shirt. For like the whole time. It wasn't like five minutes. He just <laughs> didn't wear a shirt during the game. Tarps Hi, off. Vince, you, t- you tweeted out like the, the, he at one point when Kelsey scored, I think his second touchdown, Travis, Travis Kelsey, his yeah. brother, scored a second touchdown. He like got up into in the window and just like let out this most primal scream and you put the Jurassic Park T-Rex noise yeah, over yeah, it. Yeah, I tweeted. <laughs> it, was, it was honestly like the best tweet I've ever had. It was I, amazing. If I ever had a reason to go to my Twitter, Danny describe it. It was like, it was just like, Rrr! like it was But incredible. then literally like an hour's time later in the game, like not necessarily, you know, I don't know how long exactly it was. There was like a, a fadeaway cut out to the commercial and it showed Taylor Swift and in the background, Travis, or uh, <laughs> Jason Kelsey, no shirt, still Inside. just chugging. Still just chugging another beer. Just crushing Labatt Blues. That guy's worth like $50 million. Just like crushing the cheapest beer in the stadium. Which led led to the one of the greatest tweets I've ever seen in my life. Shiel Kapadia, our esteemed colleague, who was sitting on this little piece of information for apparently like five or six years or however long it's been. Um, the famous uh, Jason Kelsey Super Bowl parade performance where he gave a big speech at the end of it. Like uh, Shiel apparently asked, Kelsey, how many beers he's had that day? And he said, north of 20. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then she'll follow that up with, how drunk do you think you were? And he's like, ah, about a five. So <laughs> what's the over under on the number of beers do you think Jason Kelsey drank today? Dude. I, I, or drinks, oh. alcoholic drinks. I'm guessing like 25. Because you know why? It skews you. It's kind of like, you know, Michael Phelps could, would eat like 15,000 calories or whatever. It's like for these <laughs> right. professional athletes, like Jason Kelsey probably like would weigh 190 pounds if he lived a normal life. But he's have to, like, so we have to skew it for that. I, he, they, they, the stories of Fridge Barry on the Bears, he had to drink like 12 beers to get drunk. It's like going after Wade. It's like Wade Boggs, like the stuff yeah. of legends. Dude, that's so sunny, like chasing, <laughs> chasing Boggs. Like Kelsey could probably do it. Dude, it is insane to think what an offensive lineman's like when they get married and they go on a bachelor party, what 12 offensive linemen could just like do <laughs> I, like a 30 rack per guy. For, oh my God. It, it was so much fun to watch Jason Kelsey today. Um, so the, yeah. um, <laughs> this is unbelievable, but I will say, so two things for this game that also just stood out to me. Well, three of the football, the Mahomes is incredible. Well, I guess we should say Mahomes is like an all-time player. I, I, I just was I, sitting there. It's like, you know, it's hard to appreciate what you have till it's gone. Brady's gone. Patrick Mahomes 
and Josh Allen. Josh Allen is John Elway 2.0. I was talking to Joe House about that earlier today. Like he is. And Patrick Mahomes is it's this Mahomes Allen. I don't think it's Manning Brady. I think it's basically Elway Marino if Marino had won two Super Bowls in his first five seasons. Like Patrick Mahomes is the guy we will be telling. I mean, you have kids, and I guess you saw Brady too, but it's like Brady's Brady. Mahomes is, I, I don't know. He's kind of like LeBron. It's just he's gonna do this forever. I, I it's Inevitable. It is insane. Yeah, it's uh so this is their sixth straight AFC championship game. Um <laughs> yeah, and again, I like like I said at the beginning, like this is by far the worst. I, well, I don't know about by far, but this is the worst Chiefs team that we've seen. Certainly the worst offense by a long shot. Their defense is really good, and I want to give their defense credit. But put it, can I can I just contextualize what you just said? Patrick Mahomes has never not made the AFC championship game. That's just wild. He's just only made the AFC championship game. Every season yeah, I mean, he's played. He, so, like, there's a bunch of stats, and you could maybe even pull it up if you want when I'm talking, but, like, there's a bunch of stats that, like, if you look at the the Tom Brady era, um, the AFC sent, like, five total quarterbacks to the Super Bowl because it was always Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Like, it's just Brady with, like, Peyton yeah. and Roethlisberger. <laughs> like, yeah. mixed, like, sprinkled in there. You know what I mean? And so, like, th- I, I feel like this is going to be a similar deal by the, the time Mahomes retires where it's, like, Mahomes is in like 75% of like the Super Bowls or uh, AFC championships that he's it's like. It's kind of like tennis. T- yeah. It's like tennis where like totally. Federer and Nadal just blotted out the sun for like a one, two, three. And then with Djokovic, we're coming up on like a, like Alcaraz. It's like the fifth generation of tennis players that quite five generations of tennis players to crack through from Federer in 07 to like, I know generation, but like it really is kind of like, or classes maybe is better one than generation. Five classes of tennis players came up till they could crack like these three guys kind of blotted out the sun. And like Mahomes and Brady will be like that. This to me, the, the feeling that I get from this game is, um, and I think some people thought maybe that the, the Eagles would do this in the first round when they lost to the Bucks, where it's like, yeah, they weren't playing very well, but their experience, their playoff tested and they'll figure it out come playoff time. And the Eagles obviously did not do that. They completely face planted. But the Chiefs did it. You know what I mean? Like, they bowed up at the right time. Travis Kelsey had his best game. He he scored his first touchdown season. since week 11. That's, it's been a long Eagles. time. Um, and he, like, looked great. He looked like vintage Kelsey. He was, you know, shaking guys. He, was, he scored two touchdowns. Um, and the whole time I was just thinking, like, just picture this Chiefs offense if they had even just really, really average, ho-hum, not even very good, just, you know, like role-playing receivers. Like, if they didn't have the worst receivers you can possibly imagine in Kadarius Tony and Michael Hardman, like, what I would this offense look props. like? I have to give you your props. You, I think this has been probably the best season you've had, like, calling stuff of the I've ever done with you. And you <laughs> you said from, like, literally the day they traded for Michael Hardman, you're like, this guy can't play. Like, this guy cannot hold on to the ball. He's, like, worse than Kadarius Tony. I oh thought you were God. messing with me. Michael Hardman, literally, we had two touches, two fumbles, like, one yard. And he literally like yeah. he, he fumbled, fumbled on the one yard line into the, the end zone. Yeah. If the Chiefs lost, it wouldn't have been Miko Hardman's fault. It would have been Andy Reid giving Miko Hardman the ball. And so when you texted me, who's the worst player that could have had 1,000 yards on this Chiefs team? Or like how many <laughs> receivers? And I'm I, I started, I became obsessed with that question. Cause really, like, what if DeAndre Hopkins was on this team? But you oh started like yeah. Like Josh Palmer would have had a thousand yards for the Chiefs. Oh, easily. I think Josh Palmer could have a thousand yards on on any team. I think he's actually good. Dontavian Wicks for the the rookie fifth rounder. I think would have had a thousand yards easily. Uh, our buddy uh, Easton Freeze covers the Titans. He he threw out Nick Westbrook Akini. Akine. 
would have easily cleared a thousand yards in this offense. Here's a couple other guys I think would have cleared a thousand yards. Isaiah Hodgins. Just yes. trade a, trade yes, a 2026 sixth round or seventh round pick for Isaiah Hodgins. He's going over a thousand yards honestly, in this offense. Honestly, I think you're right. They got Richie James from the Giants and not Isaiah Hodgins. Alan Lazard easily clears a thousand yards in this offense. Oh. Nelson Aguilar. Agu- yeah, you're He's right. going okay, for a thousand yards. Yeah, um, Demarcus Robinson, who was on the Chiefs before, I think. <laughs> Probably good now. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, I think, goes over a thousand in this offense. Oh, that man. Dude, Robert Woods, I think, was a free agent before the year. Uh, Kaderil Hodge, like the the, the wide receiver Stop. four on the Falcons. He's going over a thousand in this offense. Dude, I, it is insane. Like, I think we underrated. We're like, what's wrong with the Chiefs? It's like, be, like they just actually have the most incompetent. Dude. It's basically they have the Bluth children. Of can you, the yeah. <laughs> like, can, like just, can you imagine putting yourself like a couple weeks ago when Kadarius Tony hit like a new low? And being like, they're going to have someone that makes you miss Kadarius Tony being on the field. <laughs> and that's Mikko Hardman. This is this game. And you're like, wait, Mikko Hardman. You w- you'll wish Mikko Hardman. Like you, you said it early in the year or a couple weeks ago, at least. Like the Chiefs would have won like three to four more games this year if they just had not si- not traded for uh, Kadarius Tony. For even if, just, if he hadn't been playing, they would have won they, like yeah, two to three just- more games. They they would he, they would have won in week one and they would have won the Bills game. Uh, anyways, dude, uh, they need to prioritize the hell. I mean, I think Rasheed Rice is good and I think he's going to continue to improve and be. I like think that a good they'll just sign over. Honestly, Mike Evans. Go get freaking DeAndre Hopkins. Right, right that wrong. Yeah, uh, Mike Evans or Hopkins needs to be a Chiefs. Ooh, Mike okay. Evans, that'd be fun. Next, Higgins, speaking of maybe? Mike Evans in the Bucks, so yeah, so the Chiefs won twenty seven to twenty four. Apologize, I didn't say that before. The the Buccaneers lost to the Lions. The Lions beat the Bucks thirty one to twenty three. Uh, came down good to game. the end. Good game. It was a good game. I So we'll talk about the game in a second. I think the Lions are like the real America's team. You know, they always say that about Dallas. I, I the Lions fans staying like 25 minutes after the game and like no one had left because no one wanted to go. Just soaking it in. It, it like it, it, to me, it was the most mushy, gushy Ted Lasso cliche stuff I have seen in the NFL in quite some time. And I, I I don't know where to start, but I just, the fact that they were so like, I think that's the loudest I've ever heard fans on a telecast in, in, in like any sport. Yeah. They were all over They're it. Punts. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how you cannot root for the lions unless you are literally a 49ers fan. I think the lions <laughs> are the easiest team to root for since I've been covering professional sports. Does anybody outside the, San Francisco Bay Area and or people that like have parents that were 49ers fans like the 49ers. Like that's not a team I feel like people like. Even the NFC North rivals, like even Vikings fans are kind of like, ah, a lot of that. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, what? You're well, because it's Niners? like there there are assholes kind of deal. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah, in yeah. our division. We want our division to like, you know, continue to rise up in, like in college whatever. football. You start rooting for your own conference. Totally. Like, totally. ah, it's the Lions, whatever. You know, it's like, it's like the Packers. But yeah, no, this is like one of the most likable teams. Obviously, Dan Campbell, extremely, extremely likable guy. Heifetz, I think you said this a couple of weeks ago. It's like his halftime, like his his interviews coming out of halftime are the most like genuine. Literally the best ever. They, I noticed that in this game too. Like he was like, man, we knew they were going to come out. They're going to give us our best. We didn't really stop them, but we got to come out here now and like actually play, start playing some defense. Like he's like giving them a lot of credit. He's, he's the talking only about coach that, that has ever answered the questions. A hundred percent. Literally in any sport, 
I, I like Dan Campbell. You're so right. I forgot about this till just now. He came out and they were like, "What'd you tell?" And he was just like, "Yeah, you know." Look, what'd you think? They were going to come out and give it to us? Like, hey, we're doing all right. That's football. We got to go out and get executed. She's like, so what'd you say at halftime? And he looks at her like confused. He's like, I just told you what I said. You <laughs> That's what I said. I was um, like, I love dude, this guy. Real talk though, like for, for Dan Campbell and just like his leadership style. I always think about this during games when you start to see teams go on a run. You start to see, you know, for lack of a better term, because I know some people don't believe momentum, but like the momentum starts to shift and you start to see the opposing team that's getting behind, like start to panic a little bit. I always like to see coaches who are really good at, I guess, like keeping their team from panicking and like keeping them on track and like basically sort of refocusing and recentering the players to be like, hey, look, we knew this is going to be a battle. We knew this is going to be grind. Like we need to keep doing what we're doing. We have tons of time left. You know, like I like coaches like that and players like that, that. Um, you know, don't let the momentum and like the sort of like the, the mood swings of the game, like really get to them. And I think Dan Campbell's just like that. I'm so glad you said that DK, because as much as Dan Campbell is truly like meathead Ted Lasso and every interview he gives is so emotional. He's so calm on the sideline and he has his stuff together. Like even when that crazy Lions Cowboys thing happened with all the refs, Dan Campbell's new, like he sat there and he just listened. Like he did not flip out. And just such a good call that he's actually, as weirdly as it is, oddly st- even-handed during the games. Yeah, because this started to get a little bit tight there. So it was 10 to 10 and a half. Uh, it was 17 to 17 going into the, the, at the very end of the third quarter. So going into the fourth quarter is essentially a tie game. The Lions just straight up outplayed the Bucs. And what happened with the first quarter, honest to God, the first quarter was Goff threw a pick directly at a Bucks defender, but he dropped it. And then Baker threw a pick at Mike Evans and then a defender caught it like Mike Evans. So it's like Baker had a pick that should have been a catch. Goff had a drop that should have been a pick. And then Rashad White uh, kept messing up the blitz pickups while Jameer Gibbs for the Lions kept doing the blitz pickups. And so so the Lions are playing better. But then the Bucs have one good drive at the end of the half, which is the drive that Sean McVay kneeled at the end of the last round. Totally. Sean McVay was like, let's go to halftime. The Bucs wanted to do the same thing. They're like, oh, we'll run it to make sure you don't get the ball. And then they just got all this yardage. Like, oh, we'll try. And then Mike Evans gets like 55 yards on the drive. And they're like, all right, fine. And they score a touchdown. Like, oh my God, it's tied. But at the end of the day, I I know this is cutting edge of football analysis, but DK, I feel like the simplest way I could say it is when the Lions moved the ball, it looked effortless. And when the Bucs moved the ball, it looked excruciatingly difficult. (laughs) You ever have like an article where every writing, every word is excruciatingly difficult and you can't get through it. And then sometimes like you just get into flow state and you can write like a 1200 page article in like 20 minutes. And it's like so easy. I'm sure a lot of people can really relate to this. No, you know, it is, you know why? Cause for us, it's articles, but other people, it's emails. It's like, sometimes you're like, Oh, I don't want to write this email. And then you're like, wow, that was, that was so easy. And why, why did that took 10 seconds? Exactly. And I remember thinking at the beginning of the season or at the beginning of this game, Goff to me looked a little off. He was like a little shaky. Um, but by the end of the, he, he settled in by the end of the game, he was 30 of 43, like he 30 out of 43, uh, pass attempts. He completed 287 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he ended up being pretty damn good. Someone said this to me. He looked like someone who was the first pick in the draft today. I thought that was totally on par. And also I, the other thing, like the big takeaway I had is Jameer Gibbs, man, what a difference maker. He looked incredible. He's so explosive. He looks like he's shot out of a cannon every time. Shout out to our friend, uh, Nate Tice, who said this. Three weeks into the season, the Lions are the 2000, uh, 2006 Saints, and Jameer Gibbs 
is who we thought Reggie Bush would be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Reggie Bush was just in the wrong era. kind of. Reggie Bush was in the wrong era. And Jameer Gibbs is who we thought Reggie Bush would be, where he's like, Nate Tyson, he nailed this. It's like, he's like, he can run in between the tackles, but it's not his forte. He is unguardable in the in the open field. They they had a great replay. Antoine Winfield Jr., who's honest to God, probably should have been a first team. Oh, pro my God, safety, that play literally did not even come close to coming close to touching him on the play. And it's like, that's who we, like Gibbs in space. He's like slip screens to Jameer Gibbs, like these things that if you get the Lions and Madden would be unstoppable, you just keep calling these screens to Gibbs. It's like that. He is Reggie Bush, man. It's 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 crazy. It's like, I know we said that about Bijan, but Gibbs is kind of like it. Yeah, the, that play again for when he went up against Antoine Winfield, I know he, it wasn't like a one on one thing or anything. It was just like Winfield needed to make a play in space. And it was like, dude, good luck against this guy's acceleration. It didn't do it. Uh, Gibbs sort of beat him to the angle and, and got a touchdown. But there was another drive earlier in the game where I know that I harp on this all the time, but I really, truly in my soul, in my heart, believe that like the best teams are the ones that give their good players a chance to make plays. It's not scheme. It's not coaching. It's let your star players win you the game. I remember thinking that it's both. It's like design your scheme around getting your best players okay. the goddamn ball. Exactly. Like, exactly. Jameer Gibbs had nine carries for 74 yards at a touchdown. And then he had another four catches for 40 yards. It's like, like think about when the Rams won the Super Bowl. What Cooper, when the Rams won the Super Bowl, what happened? They gave uh, Cooper cup. What? Let every category receiving. <laughs> remember when the Falcons and Kyle Shanahan like made the Super Bowl. Remember Julio Jones got like, 200 targets. He like, he made like the the most insane catch in that game I've ever seen in my life. Um, but so like there was a game, there was a drive for the lions in the middle of the fourth quarter. I remember thinking this very distinctly. It was like the Buccaneers, one of their corners went out. So they immediately targeted the guy who came in for him and, and on a Jamison Williams pass down the field, Jamison Williams, they're highly drafted, extremely explosive receivers started to really come on for them. 24 yard catch. The, uh, later in the drive, ISO route where uh, Jameer Gibbs ran like a Texas route, like an angle route over the middle field, um, beat the linebacker like so easily. And then, you know, went after the catch, gained 20 yards. And then the touchdown was a slot fade to Amon Ross St. Brown, where they sort of ran like a fake screen on the outside. And he just like beat his guy to the corner of the end zone. I remember just thinking like, that's good coaching. This is what it looks like when you let your good players win the game for you. You know what I mean? And so I think that, drive, put them up 31 to 17 or something like that. Yeah. And, and that was sort of the end of it. Um, or well, actually it wasn't the end of it. They, the, the bucks kind of came back and made it a thing, but, um, that definitely put them in a really, really good position late in the game. I just remember thinking that man, it's like, man, you give like, just do this. This, this isn't me just like wanting fantasy points. Like give your good players the football. hundred percent. Do you want to talk real quick about the losing teams at all? I'm cu- I'm curious what you think about this Baker Mayfield resurgence. So the Bucs, I think that the thing I remember about the Bucs, it reminds me of the Giants last year where the Bucs had $70 million in dead cap this year. Like, like they, this was the reset, right? Like this was the reset after Brady. Like they're just, all these guys are free agents. This was the last room of this team. They're kind of just like starting next week, Tabula Rasa. I forget exactly who, but it's like Mike Evans is a free agent. Like, like all these contributors it, one of the reasons I thought the Bucs might have a chance to win this game, and I, I actually, I liked them as an upset, and I was totally wrong about my picks. I thought that um, the Bucs might have a chance to upset. They, you know, they almost did, but they were definitely the worst team. I thought Packer, uh, Niners, Packers would be a blowout. Obviously, the Packers probably could have, should have won that game. Should have won. But the reason I liked the Bucs was they had more than half the defense in the Super Bowl left over. They had Mike Evans. They got him. I think all these guys might go. But Baker, 
I think that Baker is very clearly one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. He is not, I, he's probably like kind of where Derek, we thought Derek Carr was a few years ago, but he's actually likable and his team that's is like, yeah, that's a good comp. I like that actually. He's just like, it, it's, he's not like what you want or aspire to be, but there will always be like five teams that would be like, man, I wish we had Baker right now, but never oh, 20. Yeah. I mean, think about like what, how, think about how good the Jets would have been this year if they had Baker Mayfield running that offense instead. Um, I mean, th- yeah, this is like, I think someone, this is, it's controversial because, and I, and I don't, I'm experiencing this, experiencing this in Seattle with Geno Smith and I'm actually thinking like Baker might get a Geno Smith type deal. Um, but it's like some people are like, oh, this just puts you in a sort of weird purgatory where you're good and you can maybe go to the playoffs, but there's no way in hell you're going to win a Super Bowl. Um, and some people are, you know, thinking this is like the type of situation where you just have to face reality. There's only so many good elite quarterbacks and having a guy who can win you games, you know, that gives you an opportunity to go out there and like, you know, make some, make a Cinderella run sort of like the Bucks were, it felt like they were fixing to do this year. So I don't know. It's, he definitely lands in that, um, you know, veteran middling veteran quarterback area that I think Geno Smith probably fits in. I think Geno's probably better than him, but still it's, I guess he gets like a somewhat similar type of deal. Geno signed a three-year $75 million contract, 40 million guaranteed. I could see that happening. You know, he's not going to get top of the market money next year, but. I think the other thing is you get lost in the millions. And honestly, it's weird, but the the money doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's not your money. It's like, there's a percentage. Patrick Mahomes gets 15%. Like, the middling quarterbacks get like 11 and like, it, it, you know what I mean? If you think of it more that way, it's like, yeah, give Baker like 9% of your salary. It's fine. It's, it, it's yeah. It, it, also the bucks, you know, they're getting rid of so much salary. It's fine. But I think, yeah, Baker is still fun. Um, even though he's you know clearly flawed. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less, and one because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at empower.com 
Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Niners Packers. So the Niners beat the Packers 24 to 21. It was absolutely pouring rain. Huge, huge game for, wow, it's weird. You can't see rain on television. What's up with that? Uh, what are you up to there, rain? We were having actual conversations in the second half. Like, is it still raining? Can't tell if it's raining. Dude, it was like, they literally was like, is it raining? And they're like, it's letting up. And they cut to the lights. And it's like, like you, can, you can't even see John Lynch, the Niners GM, because there's so much rain. They had to take a video of John Lynch and then like slow-mo it just to show his face. That was how much rain there was. And then the Niners, it was literally like, we were, we were talking about, huh, that I think the Niners could kick the shit out of the Packers. And then the first like five plays for the Niners were like, Debo limps off and like, oh, it's just a shoe. And That's then Purdy throws a pick to Dar- yeah. Darnell Savage, but Savage drops it in his chest. And then Debo limps off this time for real. It doesn't come back with a shoulder injury. And then Purdy gets sacked. And I was like, uh-oh. Well, I made the joke about the the Dolphins being the F-35 fighter that can't fly in the rain. Like the 49ers. Oh, Purdy, my God. Purdy can't play in the rain. They is, can't is play apparently in the rain. What's okay. Good, is what's I, happening. There is... We don't talk about this enough. How weird is it that there are things that affect football games that it took me a long time to realize have nothing like this in other sports. Rain. Like, like, or like the crowd. <laughs> like literally act of God. Like, like it's raining yeah, today. Rain. And they're like, oh, it's like, think about weird it is to explain football. Yeah, it's raining. So the quarterback can't hold the football. So the quarterback's going to suck. He can't hold. Can't, and they're like. He can't well, can, throw it. Yeah. And you're like, can you get him? I don't know. A glove. And he's like, no, they didn't. Yeah, but he, he doesn't like the glove. <laughs> it's like, it's so absurd. He didn't it's, practice this week with a glove I, on. The Niners are like changing their shoes on the sideline. I'm like, isn't this your field? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very, it is, like, it is a bizarre thing for sure. Like, it's just, they were talking two drives in. They're like, all they had the eight shoes on the Niners sideline. And then at halftime, Kyle Shannon's still talking about their cleats. And I'm like, you had a week. Well, this is like why I think there's so many discussions. I know a lot of people, probably most, the majority of people like weather games and like that weather is a variable, but it's like- I do, it's wild. It's like when you look back on the year, you're like, oh, so did the best teams win? It's like, no, it it rained that day. So they lost. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? It's just like a bizarre thing. You know, it's like if if this was in a dome, the 49ers probably would have rocked them, but like it wasn't. (laughs) The other one I think about, uh, or sorry, I never thought about until this weekend was how weird crowd noise is. Like, like the Texans gave the Texans had the most first half penalties in oh my uh, god in that a playoff was game in the ridiculous. 21st century. They yeah. tied with the Cowboys. The Texans had eight, I think four or five of them were false starts. It was so loud in Baltimore. And then the Detroit game too was so loud. And I never thought about it as, until like today or yesterday. I was like, hmm, that's not a thing. Like it's like in basketball, it's like, oh, the crowd's loud. But in football, it's like, oh yeah, the crowd, the, the fans are yelling. So the players don't know what to do. And they can't hear each other. The players <laughs> cannot, they don't know when the play begins. It's like in basketball, maybe you don't hear something LeBron says, like, oh, cut. But it's like, the players don't know when the game's, the play begins because people there's, are yelling. Yeah, it's like, like it's that so crazy. Sort of a uniquely football thing. Obviously, there's other sports where this communication matters, but. But like the catcher in a baseball game still knows the pitch when fans. Still knows it. how to catch it. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, there was, I forget one of the games, it was a flag on everyone but the center. And it was like, they didn't, it was so loud. And it's like, the guy with the ball didn't know when to do the ball thing. Yeah, it, it is. That's a great point. It is one of the sports, I think, that, you know, it's like so hokey and everything. Like the 12th man, they talk about the Seahawks fans, the 12th man. And, and everyone used to get mad about the Seahawks for like 
there was all these conspiracies. They were piping in music at their stadium and stuff like that. But it's like the fans can really well, the affect Falcons the game. The well, no, the Falcons actually piped in. They music. actually did. the, C- the pe- fans used to accuse the Seahawks fan uh, Seahawks of piping in music. Uh, Fal- yeah, that's why the Lions stuff is so endearing. Is because it's like actually you can literally like you can affect the game. Yeah, and, part and the of fans the game. are just discovering this for the first time in thirty years. There are people who've literally waited their whole lives to let this out, among other people letting it out for four hours. And I'm like, wow, this is like actually like it's an insane thing to watch all these fans realize they can experience. So I enjoy I enjoy seeing when like players who are, are long retired will look back and be like, yeah, man, playing in so-and-so stadium that was always so hard because you couldn't hear each other you couldn't communicate no one knew what they were doing you couldn't hear the snap yeah it is so cool i literally like arrowhead like arrowhead they're like oh it's the loudest i mean i think detroit's loud i I mean it changes well that's the thing it sort of like seems to go in shifts because um you know like some teams will have more rabid fans at certain junctures of their like life cycle you know what i mean like there's a natural sh- shifting in and out of fandom, I think. Like, you get more bandwagon people. This is probably controversial. Well, the Chiefs, but- they're like, yeah, by the fourth AFC championship game, I really stopped yelling. And then, you know. This, you I, know? I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. You get, like, more people that are like, oh, this is a social experience. I'm going to go to this game because the team is good versus, like, early in the thing. This is what happened sort of with the Seahawks. This is probably a controversial, stupid take. But I do think it throughout the life cycle of your team, as it goes on and gets better and better, I think the crowd noise becomes less of a factor because you have, I don't know, maybe less drunk people or something. No, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's a hundred percent. And that's why the Bills have never won. Hence why the people are in the parking lot drunk, covering themselves in lighter fluid and just like lighting their ass. This happens like every week. But the Packers Niners. So the game ends with Jordan Love throwing the dumb pick. And it was like, like the, if you close your eyes and imagine what like the cross body, like what they always say, you're rolling to your right, you throw across your body, middle of the field. It was like that essence of what you're not supposed to do. But it was also on first down. And they had two timeouts left. And could have ran. And they had two timeouts left. And it was raining. And I was like, all-time oh, was, bonehead play. Like all-time bonehead play. But you know, um, my takeaway with that love, throw, though, because yeah. it's like, oh, the Packers could have won the game. Oh, they should have won the game. I'm like, yes, but it was the epitome of like youth is wasted on the young. Like this is the youngest playoff team in 50 years. Why did they lost? They, the Packers lost because they made a bunch of youthful freaking mistakes. It's like Jordan Love, like Matt LaFleur said, the Packers got here because he told Jordan Love, be aggressive. Jordan, that's the throw of a guy that in his last nine games, Jordan Love had 21 touchdown passes and one pick. Started like, to feel himself a little bit. It's yeah. a heat check. It was a total heat check. And he's like, oh, I guess I shouldn't do that. Did you see that? Did you see it overlaid with the, uh, the Brett Favre interception from when he was with the Vikings? Uh, and he- dude, the fi- my cousin Vinny's like, ah, Identical. So close. It's like beat a, for beat. It's crazy. I think my favorite, it's too bad we did the fantasy rewatchables already, because I think my favorite meme of the year is actually the someone with the did the tweet of the the Packers finding another franchise quarterback, and it was the Matt Damon Goodwill hunting. It's like, do you know how <laughs> easy this is for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's but it's true. Like Jordan Love is really just Favre and Rogers, but not Did annoying. you did you see much about the vibes with the team with the with the Packers after this game? Like, did it feel like they were really, um, like distraught and down and, and really down in the dumps, or was it more just like oh, this is the beginning of something really special going forward? Because I do I think worry they were a little down, bit, but like I, I think they were. Do I worry? Well, I worry a little bit. Ending the season on such a stupid play can have an effect that carries on into the next year. 
this this case is probably not going to happen. I, I don't think so. It was a bad play, but like, I mean, it's not like Jordan Love's the Jordan Love is the reason they freaking got there. I don't think any, like any of these, none of these players are going to be like, is Jordan Love the guy? Jordan Love was freaking better than Aaron Rodgers last year. And Aaron Rodgers is a thumb injury last year. Jordan Love straight up was better. Yeah. There's no question he's their starter going forward. So that, yeah, you're probably right. It doesn't matter, but. I, 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 I no, I have zero, this is, I think you're projecting a little Russell Wilson Seahawks energy. I know. Like, I'm trying not to like bring up the Seahawks with everything, but this team does remind me of the, this 2012 Seahawks where, you know, young team on the up and up, like good young core group of playmakers, like overachieving essentially um, and kind of got hot at the right time. But then they ended up losing too. But the difference is the offense was the reason. That right. And the defense, the, the Seahawks defense. defense was really good back then. And so, but the, the overall, I mean, looking at this, I mean, how many players caught a pass? One, two, three, four, five, six, nine Packers caught a pass. Every single one of them is on a rookie contract. Every like single one of these guys. Year, I believe, like. yeah. I, uh, except Aaron Jones. Eight of the nine, or, or ten, 10 guys got a target. Nine of the 10 are in the first or second year of the rookie contract. So they're for, rookies, or they've been in the year two leagues. The other one's Aaron Jones, who I think had one of the best stretches of his entire career the last five games. I, Meanwhile, like, I the think Chiefs come can't back. find a fucking receiver to save their life. Dude, it's insane. It's like the Packers, and even Calvin Austin on the Steelers is good. It's like the Packers and Steelers should just like, it's kind of like on baseball or even soccer, the mid-market teams get really good at scouting and they kind of like the Rays have like a third of the payroll of the Yankees and they kick the Yankees ass because they just like try scouting harder. And like the the lower budget soccer teams will just fund their entire operation by just scouting and selling the, the contract players later. It's like the Packers and Steelers literally could just draft receivers and trade them as like a like a hobby on Etsy. I don't know. But yeah, overall, like the Packers definitely going in the right direction. I'm really excited about this offense. They should probably bring is Aaron Jones under contract again next year. I can't remember. You no, know, he's should, a free agent. I think they'll bring they him back. They should run it back with him for I, sure. Can I say one thing? We were always like, why doesn't Aaron Jones play more to your thing about Aaron Jones? And he did have a hundred yards in like five straight games, which is I think a Packers record. He is also definitely still a space cadet. I see why. Aaron Jones was amazing. He's like the best player on Green Bay's offense. At the same time, he caught a pass out of bounds and didn't realize he was out of bounds and dropped a pitch in this game to lose like 12 yards. And oh, like, yeah, you know, that, we yeah. can't just blame Eric Jordan Love. The Niners, though, I think the Niners escape with their lives. And frankly, the Niners really avoided a catastrophe here. I'm, I don't want to put anything on Purdy. I think Purdy definitely struggles in the rain. Having said that, tell me if you disagree. I think the Niners, if you could, as stupid as this sounds, if you could see the rain <laughs> during the game, like if you were in the crowd, like if you could see how much it was raining, I don't think anyone would be surprised that Brock Purdy was playing poorly. I feel like you'd be amazed Jordan Love got anything done. <laughs> right. But like, um, I don't know, because do you think Purdy, like, because he couldn't control the football. I think it was more aesthetic. It was more like Purdy looked rattled to me the whole mm. game. Um, he did. And, I don't Sunken. know. For whatever reason, it was like his confidence was really off. Like he, when he was, even when he's throwing, um, you know, like he, when he was making throws from the pocket, like he looked like he was sort of like spray and pray. Like, oh God, I hope he's down there. There were so many plays. There were so many plays where it felt like he was not on the same page with his receivers. Um, I don't know. It was he just didn't have a good game. That said, he did come up big at the end. Um, helped them, you know, win the game and everything. I, I do. He took. He did a that. Kenny Pickett. He did a Kenny Pickett. He had. Like six good throws and four of them were on the final drive. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, I don't think 
anyone would construe that he played well. And that could be a little bit alarming, um, you know, for a team that I, I, coming in that, that this was not the team I expected to see whatsoever. They did not look good in this game. Um, you know, there's a couple of big plays. McCaffrey had that big touchdown run, 39, I think it was 39 yards. And Debo got hurt immediately. And Debo kind of seemed I, to I, throw off their mojo. Everything. Um, by the way, I, I want to throw this one out there. Juwan Jennings, if there was a six man award in football, Juwan Jennings is winning that shit. He, that guy is like the Robert Ori of <laughs> third downs. He comes in, he just, every time he comes in, he makes like a third down. Um, you know, he came in and, and played a lot because Debo went out. He ended up with five catches, 61 yards. He made four first downs. It seemed like every time they needed a big play, it was Juwan Jennings of all people that was making the play. It was Kendrick Bourne before that too, like before he left. And like Juwan, they it, it also wait, did you see that Shanahan, like Ron Burgundy did it, where it's like Ron, Shanahan, they were like, why did you call a run for Juwan Jennings? And he was like, uh, yeah, that was for Debo. And then I didn't realize Debo was in the game. And I, I, I should have like, <laughs> There's a word. It was like hex or something, and I was like, "Oh, I said hex." I was like, "I meant to take that out." And then Purdy said hex, and then oh, well, guess Juwan's in. Well, all right. That's, we're, guess we're doing that. He lost one yard on the play. It's like we're sitting here like analyzing all these decisions for like days and hours afterward, and I'm like, all these decisions have to get made in like six seconds to get them. probably the like honestly less like less than that. It's crazy. Um, this is, I think, the part of football that that most fans and even probably most media people don't really realize is how quickly you have to go from play to play and how many different steps there are in making a play call because you have to... So, like, the play, the last play ends. Immediately, the coach has to make a decision on what he's going to do. He has to signal and tell his coaching staff what personnel group is going to go in. He has to relay the play call, which sometimes can be, like, I don't know, 15 words. You know, like, if you ever heard a West Coast offense, like, play call, it's, it's crazy long string of like commands essentially for what the different players are doing. And you have to get that all in. Um, so the quarterback can then relay it to the rest of the guys on the field. And meanwhile, you have guys coming on and off the field. You have coaches. It's like a mad scramble just to get the play in. There's 25 seconds on the play clock. One of my favorite interviews I've ever done was I talked to Matt Schaub. He listed out everything that has to happen in the 40 oh, seconds. Yeah. yeah. And to, do I ever read you the list? I just yeah, pulled it up. It. But, I know it's kind of a little repetitive what you said, but you're talking about coaches. We're like, oh, why is it hard for a, a rookie quarterback to come in from college? Who, you know, they haven't taken like a snap. So here's what happened. Let's say you just got tackled. Like you just got hit and it's incompletion. It's like second and 10. So when you got to get up from getting smacked by this 310 bug guy. Sometimes guys are laying on you. Yeah. You have 40 seconds. Check the down and distance. Listen to the coach radioing in the personnel, the people, the players who are going to be on the field for the right. next play. And you have to Which they have to like, is. everybody needs to be on the same page with that too. Yeah. Then you have to get all those guys in the huddle, including someone has to go, you know, check eligibility, whatever. Then you have to listen to any concerns or complaints from teammates about the previous play. Like there's like, like the law, like, you know, they're like, I was open. You're like, all right. Yeah. yeah. Then you have to listen to the play call coming in the headset. If you can hear it over the crowd noise. So then you're like, oh, and you're like, they're like, oh, you covered your helmet. Then if you can't hear the call, you have to fill it. You have to close your eyes. You have to think about filling the gaps using what you studied this week because you can't hear everything to figure out what the context clues of what you're missing. It's like filling in the gaps in dinosaur DNA. Literally, yeah. It's like you heard three <laughs> words. It's like, what do you think the play calls? Oh then you God. call the play. Then you break the huddle and check the play clock. Make sure everyone's lined up right. Check the play clock again. Then you have to look, okay, I'm, we're lined up. Uh, where are the safeties? That basically gives you a, the quarterback a lot of information. Then you have to check the line of scrimmage. How many, are there, how many linemen are there and linebackers? Where are these guys? Where could they blitz from? 
right? And then you got to figure out where it blitzes from. And if there's coming, then you're like, all right, we have to adjust the blocking to counteract. All right, we did that. Then you have to tell your offensive line what you're going to do. Like you figured it out. Now you have to tell them, make sure they hear you. How, then you check the play clock again. And then you look and you're like, hey, are the safeties still in the spot where I thought they were before? Like six seconds ago? Then you have to put it somewhat in motion. And then you have to like check the play clock, clap, snap. You have that sounds awful. 40 <laughs> seconds to do that 60 times. That stresses like, me out. And yeah. if you're late for three seconds, you get a delay a game and everyone's like, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, this like explains how you get a delay of game coming out of a timeout. Even having yeah. like the advantage of having a timeout to tell you the play and make it a good decision. You still have to go through all that shit to make sure that the play is going to work or whatever that you're going to get the best play in, not audible or change the play or change the protection, you know, whatever. So man, yeah, football's complicated. There's probably it's a crazy. reason high fits that there's like 13 really good quarterbacks on planet earth. The 12 good coaches. The, on that note though. So do you, do you blame Shanahan? Because let's be real. Like the Shannon, the Niners winning this game almost was out of Shanahan's hands. Like the, the, he sat on the ball at the end of the first half and then he kind of like held it toward the end and wanted to basically not give the Packers the ball, but then he did anyway. And so if Jordan, if they had driven down and scored, like, do you, would you have put the L on Kyle Shanahan for the way he handled the clock in a bunch of different situations? I don't know. Honestly, I can't even remember some of the flubs he had. Do you have like of those in front of you? Like I, yeah, this, the, I think the most controversial yeah, remind thing me. that Shanahan did was with, um, four minutes left. They get the ball four minutes left at their own 25 yard line. The sc- they're, they're up one point and it's seven to six. And Shanahan basically decides his first priority is we're not giving green Bay the ball with time to score. Like we will not let green Bay score. We're going to have the, because the Niners are getting the ball in the second half. So we're like no more Packers drives. Second priority is we'll see if we can score. And so he basically like, Instead of like actually trying to run any kind of two minute drill, they just kind of like run and they run out the clock. Then they come into the second half and they just go three and out. So he was like, hey, we're going to get two drives and steal an extra one. And they got nothing out of it. Yeah. That's and then they almost annoying. lost. Um, I don't know. We just saw the Bucks get a touchdown in the final minute doing the exact opposite. Yeah. I think you can always second guess that stuff. I, I mean, obviously... I think if you're sitting on a couch, you're like, I want my coach to be aggressive. I want my coach to go score as many points as he can because that's the way that you you win. You score more points than your opponent. Um, I think I was like a little bit surprised how easily the the Packers were moving the ball in this defense. Um, so especially with that context, yeah, he probably should have been more aggressive. You know what I mean? I think the other stuff that I'm hesitant to criticize the priorities because that's I know I know for a fact that's how Tom Brady also prioritizes. He's like end of half. Priority one is they don't get the ball back. Priority two is um, we score. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to question Brady. You know what I mean? I do think it's weird that Kyle Shannon's basically never trusted a two-minute drill and that he was 0-30 down five points in the fourth quarter until this game. And I'm like, yeah, it's that, just that kept getting thrown up there so many times during this game. It, it's wild. It's like offensive genius Kyle Shanahan is down a touchdown and cannot get a touchdown. It's kind of weird. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? It's weird. weird. Like, oh, well, they're always winning. I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of odd. But um, the to me, that's the weird thing with Shanahan. But I think also part of his job is it's like he he's thinking, I got to get my guys to change their shoes on defense before. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> weird. The last game we have here is the Texans and the Ravens. Uh, 
this is I, the Ravens look so good. The Ravens crushed the Texans 34 to 10. It was not that close. The only Texans touchdown was on a, a punt return for a touchdown. The Ravens defense allowed a field goal. So functionally speaking, if you take out special teams, it was. They allowed a field goal. Heifetz, but that play came after a dropped interception. <laughs> like they probably right. should have allowed zero points on defense. You know what I mean? In a weird way, it's almost like CJ Stroud. I don't want to say he played well, but the, he CJ Stroud didn't take a sack, but he was pressured at half of the plays. Like the Ravens had this weird thing where it might have been the best defensive performance I've ever seen from a defense that did not get a sack or a pick or a turnover. Yeah. But like they didn't get a sack or a turnover, but there was at no point did you think the Texans were going to score. Right. They just made his life really hard. I, I We were talking about this before the show. Like, like you said, I thought. Stroud looked fine. Like Stroud didn't make any egregious um, plays. I don't think like he looked like he was pretty good. You know, obviously not, they weren't scoring a lot of points, but I don't think he looked bad if that makes sense. And yet they couldn't do anything on offense. It was very strange. It was so loud that no one knew what to do, which is just weird. (laughs) Like it's like, it's well, 19 of 33, 175 yards. Um, That was what Stroud's line was. I think one thing that really stood out to me is, and this, I don't, I'm, I'm wondering if this will have like an effect on whether Bobby Sloak gets hired as a head coach or not. But like they kept trying to run on first down and it was just all not season. working. And this was something that people were kind of bitching about all year. Obviously, like running on early downs is one way that like teams and coaches use to like really sell that you're a dedicated running team that gets you the, the defense to come up and like really try and stop that. And then that's where you, your play action comes into play. And this was one of the best play action teams in the NFL this year. So like strategically, I understand that, but Singletary, Devin Singletary, look this up on first down in this game, six rushes for nine yards. They had t- the, the Texans had 10 first downs in this game, 10. That's only 10 teams. Sorry, sorry. Only nine teams in the entire season had fewer than 10 first downs in any game. So like this was like one of the worst offensive performances of any team this year. They got they got eviscerated, and the Ravens are the. I think the Ravens played the way we thought the Niners would play, which is the Ravens are the buzzsaw. We also have to, Lamar Jackson looked like an MVP. I mean, Lamar Jackson eleven carries for hundred yards for Lamar. I mean, the Ravens had forty two carries for two hundred twenty nine yards. That is what the Ravens looked like in twenty nineteen when we thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. Forty two carries for two hundred twenty nine yards. The passing stats weren't impressive from Lamar because I mean, one hundred fifty two passing yards. Like yeah. I, they didn't have to do anything like they just it was 34 to 10 and they, the Texans couldn't move the ball but the Ravens looked honestly the Ravens and the Niners alike just looked super jittery in the first half and Lamar literally said after the game like exactly what the cliche narrative is is you know we we got the first run by and I think you know the week off it's like you took some little bit to get your rhythm and yeah. then we come out at halftime and like I think we looked like ourselves and I think that was definitely true for the Ravens uh, I I this coming game of the Ravens versus the Chiefs feels epic and easily the most epic AFC championship game, I think, since the since the Chiefs played the Patriots and Brady versus Mahomes a few years back. But I I, I it's I feel like we got the right games. We have the two one seeds versus the two three seeds, but Ravens Chiefs feels like the right game. Like cause we got Bills Chiefs. Now we get Chiefs Ravens. Uh, these are easily the two best teams right now in the AFC. And then the NFC, uh, Lions are like this team of destiny, Ted Lasso, and the Niners are the best teams of the NFC. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Like that this yes. is basically I, the best? 
I don't know if it's like the ultimate best matchup that it could be, but like of the divisional round, I really like that it's going to be Detroit versus San Francisco. That to me seems like the championship round. Yeah, sorry. The styles make fights in terms of like you got a really explosive, fun offense in Detroit. Um, and they have some pass rushers. They can do some things on defense. I, you know, I think that they'll have a chance of giving the 49ers like their best shot kind of deal. Like I think the 49ers are clearly going to be favorites. I, I didn't see the line yet, but I'm sure it's going to be pretty substantial. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a super, super fun, uh, championship round. What do you think? Uh, I saw this stat about Lamar started to just go right back to the Ravens real quick, but he was the second player in the Super Bowl era with two plus passing touchdowns and two plus rushing touchdowns with a hundred yards rushing. So can you, can you think of who else has done that in the playoffs in the Super Bowl era? Sorry, say what is the stat again? So it was two passing touchdowns, two plus touch passing touchdowns, two plus rushing touchdowns over a hundred rushing yards. The only other player to ever Michael do Vick that. and Lambeau Field when they no. won that game. Good idea, Colin Kaepernick for the yes, 49ers was, back in the day. I think it was oh, against like the Packers. Yeah, he rocked the Packers. That was one of the best games ever. And that, like, I look back, that was one of the best games I can remember a quarterback playing. Like, he looked in like unstoppable. They had zero answers for him. So that was the type of game. Lamar had. I just wanted to point Kaepernick that out. Got, obviously, Kaepernick became a total lightning rod for protests and everything, but there was this like um, narrative. I mean, this feels forever ago at this point, but there was this whole narrative that Kaepernick couldn't play, right? And that he didn't get signed because he couldn't play. Colin Kaepernick, and I think this gets lost in the Kaepernick discussion. Colin Kaepernick was for like 18 months the like most dangerous dual threat quarterback in NFL history. The like, scariest the player to play. Yes, he... He was the most unstoppable quarterback that has been in the NFL playoffs. I was covering the Seahawks at that time. Obviously, I'm a Seahawks fan. And I vividly remember some of those games with Colin Kaepernick and just feeling like helpless, like against him. Because if like you were saying this on the last show, like the buy one, get one free quarterbacks, where it's like, even if the first play, the design play breaks, like that's almost worse because then he's just going to run for 50 yards. You know what I mean? Like it's why it's so interesting to have J Jim Harbaugh coming back to the league. Cause Jim Harbaugh and Colin Kaepernick, like in, in a lot of ways, I think beginning with Cam Newton and the Panthers and then Colin Kaepernick and the Niners. Like, I mean, this isn't even like a stretch. Like, do you know who the offensive coordinator for Colin Kaepernick and Harbaugh was Greg Roman? Like, do you know who the Lamar offense coordinator was for five, four years when he won the MVP? Greg Roman. Cause he went to John Harbaugh, Jim's brother, like Lamar Jackson's offense is not like, Oh, unreal. it's like literally it's the Colin Kaepernick, like Greg Roman offense was tweaked. This is like the 301 the version. Yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. It's because Lamar, Lamar is better. Uh, he's a better runner and he's a better thrower than Kaepernick. But like, it's kind of like this. And now what we're seeing now with the Ravens offense, it's what if those offenses had a real offensive coordinator and first round picks at wide receiver and great. Like, it's just a better design that, but there's a direct through line. But from the, the Kaepernick stuff. To That's a Lamar great point. Yeah, I love that. That's really cool. Um, the only other question I had for that game and for just like going forward for the Ravens in, in this championship round. Let's say Mark Andrews. This is probably a really stupid question, but let's just say Mark Andrews is healthy enough to play in this game. Are you taking Isaiah likely off the field That's in favor question. of Mark I, Andrews? I don't know if I would. Do they really I'd, play the same role in the offense? No, but like, they, I don't think they, I, I would have to look back at the numbers, but I don't think they like to play them at the same time. You know what I mean? Like they don't want to do. I, I agree that like, I, I don't want to discount what Mark Andrews does. I mean, obviously, really yeah. Good, Mark Andrews is a very good player. Isaiah Maybe likely, great player, but like likely has been incredible. 
I got to tell you, if you told me next year Isaiah Likely just outproduced Sam Laporte at tight end, I wouldn't blink. (laughs) Isaiah Likely is incredible. I I think actually they have a conundrum here. Like just they have a lot of good players. They give him the ball. Also, speaking of the Ravens, can you imagine being Dalvin Cook? (laughs) Spending. Okay, this getting is six, like going to the New York Jets and like just somehow getting six million dollars, and you spend all season on the New York Jets, and they're awful. Do you know? Do you want to know stats? Okay, Dalvin Cook. Some you get signed to the Ravens like what a week ago to replace Melvin. Not even a week. It was five days ago to replace Melvin Gordon in the practice squad. You're like check his pulse. So like, yeah, he's better than Melvin Gordon. So they bring <laughs> Dalvin Cook on. Dalvin Cook's first carry with the Ravens was longer than any carry he had with the Jets all year. <laughs> Oh my God, Hyphens! You were talking, Hyphens! You were talking about the difference in temperature between like the Chiefs game in Kansas City and then like the Dolphins. Negative had, like, thirty the, wind chill versus the one twenty on the Vikings. It was a one hundred fifty degree difference. That's like the, the greatest Zappa. delta in two two temperatures that any team has ever played. Whatever. Do you think there's a greater delta in vibes that any one player has gone from going on this Jets team? to literally playing in the divisional round and having your best run all season for this Raven squad that is obviously like, they're playing out of their minds right now. This is like the most complete good vibes team you can imagine. Like Lamar, up there. such a also, fun quarterback. The Jets are the worst organization in football and the Ravens are the best organization in football. <laughs> and the Ravens are the best team. Right. And the Jets are the worst. Team. And like they're Aaron, Aaron Rodgers versus Lamar. Like Dalvin Cook must like, he like, Wait, we, I was texting Craig this because Craig's out of the show. And I was like, what do you think? Craig was like, this is the Angelina Jolie Award because Angelina Jolie went from dating Billy Bob Thornton to Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just, like, just like, like talk to Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook falling upward. This is like the all time falling upwards. Like Cook was never like remotely good with the Jets. And then he ends up on this Ravens team. He's maybe going to get a Super Bowl ring from it. Oh my Incredible. god, dude! I I was I told you I was I was in the Chiefs locker room last year in the Super Bowl, and I saw Melvin Gordon, and he looked like the most surprised. He just looked like he thought he was in a dream. He just like thought he couldn't. He was like, I don't think he was active for the game, but he like got a ring. <laughs> I completely forgot. I don't he think he even played, team. dude. Melvin Gordon didn't even play. <laughs> oh, but he was like incredible. on the. Uh, he was like on the. He's like Chiefs I get to go for, to like, all the, the parties. Run. <laughs> That's amazing. Um. It was like, it just looked like wide eyed. It's like, oh my, oh yeah, wait, I just Googled this. Cause I was like, did I dream this? Mel, first thing I Googled Melvin Gordon, she's Super Bowl. First thing that comes up, Kansas City Star article. And it's Melvin Gordon, quote, it's super weird to win Super Bowl with Chiefs. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> if you would have said, I, there, I, there's no way I re- <laughs> would have remembered that in my life. Like I, I had no idea. Wait, other quote, I didn't do shit for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <round>. <laughs> I mean, you were there for the vibes, man. Never underestimate dude, that. There you go, guys. Dude, Dalvin Cook. There I believe for the vibes. strongly in vibes. I gotta say, Dalvin Cook, when he ran, when he made that run, I think it was like a twelve-yard run. I was like, "Who's this guy? He looks pretty fast." <laughs> do you think? Wait, speaking of vibes, do you think that the number players wear makes them look slower, or faster? Yes, absolutely. Like I was thinking about Justice how Hill AJ has Brown, like a terrible number. What is it, like forty-three or something? Yes. Because I was thinking about how AJ Brown, like the one is more slimming. And I was thinking about who is it? Um, I think Josh Reynolds wears eight for the Lions. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about how slow you look when you're wearing eight. And I was, oh, CD Lamb too, because the 88, <laughs> right. right, is like this thing for the Cowboys. 
But yeah, Josh Reynolds was eight. And I was like, God, all the guys at the eight look so slow. And I was like, if A.G. Brown were 88, would we think he was like a lumbering tight end? Like, probably. Like, probably. You know, Deshaun yeah. Jackson wears one. I'm like, oh, he's fast. But T. Higgins wears 85. And he's, I'm like, I don't know. Is it, does it I change? I 100% believe stuff? in that. Yeah. Big time. Um, it's like, uh, you know how they say, um, never believe like firsthand accounts or whatever, like uh, bystanders accounts, like our vision, eyewitness accounts. Thank you. I'm, it's too late. It's actually not that late. I'm just old. Um, I feel like there's a very, like, it's like sleight of hand almost like it's just, it tricks your eyes. Like there's a real thing here. There's a real scientific explanation behind some numbers making you look slow. I think I believe this in my heart. We should get some scientists to give us their take on this. Emails at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com if you um you know are or know a scientist who can answer this question. I don't know how they would prove true. this, it's, but yeah. What would happen if AJ Brown were 88? I'm convinced he would just like, I don't know, it wouldn't look as good. Uh all right. That's all we got. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig, wherever you are in spirit. Thank you, Carlos, for producing this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh I congratulations if any of your teams made it to the championship game. And honestly, bottom of my heart, I'm sorry if your uh, team was eliminated, especially the Bills. I that was brutal. And Thank you, Lorne. Lorne. Thank you, Pixies. Also, NFL Draft Show on Wednesdays. Check it out. We kept each one. Pixies. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I know the Pixies, but I actually don't know. It's like I know of their music, but I can't. Like I cannot name a song. Where Pixies. is my mind? Do you know the end of okay. uh, yes. the Ed Norton movie? Um, Fight Club? Yeah, Fight Club. Dun- oh, wow. Very. Oh, that's like, obviously, the, the newer generation would know that song from that more than probably the original. But Dude, Pixies, they, have a, they have some great stuff. Fight Club, really good movie. Love that movie. Fight Club is, that's a whole other thing. It's like there are movies that you have to watch twice, like Fight Club, Inception. Fight Club's like a first Hall of Fame. You have to watch it twice. But Rewa- It's almost rewatchable, if you will. It's, but rewatchable is more like it's fun to rewatch. Fight Club's like if you watched it you once, need it's to like you didn't it. even watch it at all. Oh, 100%. This is, uh, this is how I feel about the movie Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Have you ever seen that? I have not because I, I actually have never understood what it's about. It's a weird title. It's hard to understand the first like the first time you watch it, you're like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. <laughs> like there's a there's a, uh, you know, like a a flurry at the end and basically a whole, everything changes. I'm not going to give it away. But you come out of the movie, you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? I have no idea what just happened. So you have to Wait, watch it like Gary times. Oldman, Colin Firth, Tom Hardy are oh, all yeah. in this movie. Dude, Benedict Cumberbatch. OK, I got incredible, watch. incredible movie. What? I'm not even kidding. People are going to laugh at me for saying this. Like, one of my favorite movies of all time. Dude, I've watched it, better I've watched it name so many times. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. It's a, it's a, the name of a book. It's based on a book. Fine. Um, anyways. Wow, this looks incredible. John Le Carre. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name exactly, but he's written all Without these. Without Craig, we're lost on the. Pr- <laughs> Le Carre. Uh, well, he, it's his pseudonym. It's like his Le nom de plume or whatever. Um, but anyways, he's written all these, he's written probably, I don't know, like 10 or 15 books that have been turned into movies, the constant gardener, um, the night watchman. That's a series. Uh, there's like a ton. He he's done a whole bunch of, uh, the movie poster is the film event of the year, a masterpiece, but it's like, I always kind of think that's BS, but it's too bad that that was actually true. And I just disregarded it. I personally believe it's a masterpiece. I love it. I love it so much. Um, it's not for everyone because it is kind of like slow burn. And obviously, like I said, it's very confusing the first time you watch it. Um, but I love that kind of shit, like interweave. It's it's a it's a movie that's about relationships, and it's the relationships are are 
presented in this like context of spying on each other. It's like pretty great. I love it. It's really all good. right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll end the show so Carlos can just like spy on us. Watching us. <laughs> all right. Goodbye, everyone. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit one 800 gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.